Welcome to the Rosedale Bible College Chapel Podcast. We hope you're challenged and inspired by today's message. Enjoy. Uh, excited about introducing uh, yet another Pathway speaker for us. It's going to be the last of the series since school is um, <clears throat> wrapping up quickly. Her name is Marianne Miller. I asked her uh, what I should tell you, and, and she was a little protective. She wants to tell you about herself in her presentation, so I'm going to honor that mostly. I'm going to tell you that she is a nurse who is running a business. She came up with her husband Laban from Lexington, Kentucky. They have one child, which, from which they have two grandchildren. They are members of the Oasis Community Church in Lexington. And her husband provided the next insight into her character. When their son was a young man, Marianne organized a basketball team that uh, performed very well. They uh, multiple times won the state AAU championship. The team called the Ice, which is kind of scary, I think. <clears throat> and they also won in Division Two. Uh, second place in the nation. So she was not the coach, but she was the organizer. And uh, because of this team and the job that she had done, she was known all over the state of Kentucky in this basketball league, which is usually dominated by men, except when Marianne was there. <clears throat> so would you please uh, welcome mm -hmm. Marianne Miller to come and share with us this morning. Good morning to all of you. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I'm going to confess right up front. This is not where I like to be in front of people. I am an organizer, as you just learned. I like to be behind the scenes. But I want to share um, these moments with you and tell you about my path. I grew up in southern Indiana on a dairy farm. I went to church three times a week, very diligently. We did not miss. I learned how to work, and I learned to love work. Helping in the garden, picking raspberries, feeding our bull, that was my responsibility. Milked cows, or at least I tried to milk cows. I helped watch my younger siblings. I had lots of fun living in the country, rural Indiana, biking, learning to bike on gravel. I don't know if you've ever done that. Um, tennis and volleyball, learning my skills against the garage wall. Um, I loved our swing set. I remember with my sisters sitting, telling stories, and dreaming about what we were going to do when we grew up. We had no idea what was going to happen. Boiling summer corn over an open fire. Mosquito bites, sisters loving and fighting over clothes. That's what I remember growing up in the country. My first real independence from my parents um, was, I think I was about 12. They went away for the, I don't know, the grocery store or something, and I totally rearranged the living room. So I wasn't very big. I used all the weight that I had to move this I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, flowered couches with heavy wooden ends to move them all over the living room. I had no idea this might not be an acceptable thing to do without your parents. Um, and all I remember is 
everyone came back and accepted my changes that I had made. So it gave me a little bit of confidence to do my thing. I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord when I was at Camp Amigo. In high school, I was a pretty good student, but not a great student. I, my most natural subject was math, and my high school claim to fame was I was a part of a math class with me and three guys who were math nerds. I was not a math nerd, but I was pretty good at it. So I give them a lot of credit for helping me clep out of college math in college. The thing I noticed, or when I reflected on my high school years, was I cared a bit too much about being accepted and liked. I didn't understand what it meant to take a stand for what I believed. I was sort of living out my parents' faith. I really hadn't adopted it as my own. I started seeing some negative thought patterns in my life, but I didn't talk to anyone about them. I didn't ask people for advice. I didn't um, ask anyone to hold me accountable for my spiritual growth. And I don't really remember anyone seeking me out and doing that. They may have, but I don't remember that. Then I went to college, and um, I thought, freedom's going to be pretty great. I'm going to like this. And it ended up, I started feeling like, well, maybe not. Maybe the freedom wasn't as good as I thought. My original career plan was I was going to major in physical therapy, go to a local college. My plan changed pretty quickly. I ended up going to EMU, majored in nursing. And the only reason I really remember going there is I wanted to get away from home, just kind of get out on my own. And my mom wanted to be a nurse, so I thought, why not? Let me try this thing. And so that's what I did. I met a very godly roommate who was sort of the first person that was a peer that really shared the love of Jesus in her life and what it meant to her day to day. And I met, for the first time, people who shared their truths with me that didn't fit into what I had been taught. After college, I, lots of changes happened. I moved from Virginia um, back to Sarasota. In the summer, I did a cross-cultural experience in Haiti. Words that come to my mind when I think of my experience in Haiti were missionaries, language challenges, unprepared, political unrest, machine guns, poverty, starvation, disease, beautiful people, and many servants. I moved, I did that for the summer, moved back to Sarasota, resettled, um, began living with my parents again after four years, got my first nursing job, and started paying off a lot of debt. Don't do it. <laughs> after I did that, um, that September, I started my professional job, my first job as a nurse, working in a large hospital. I was hopeful that it was going to be the place I'd be for forever. That's what I thought. I was excited. But I ended up, after about week one, I was terrified. I had the thought many times that what I was doing, if I didn't take it seriously, I could actually kill someone. And I wasn't ready for that burden. I, wasn't, I didn't feel prepared. I needed support. I need people in my life. I passed... I, went, I basically stayed there, passed my nursing boards, and moved pretty quickly to a smaller hospital where I got lots of support. I had people who were kind of caring for me one-on-one, -on -one, teaching me how to be a, an effective nurse, how to communicate, how to deal with problems. And that was my kind of beginning to nursing. Soon during that time, I um, 
met, dated, and married Laban, my sweetheart. Our first year together was special. Words that come to mind or phrases is warm weather. We both were from the north. We were loving it. We both had day shift jobs, so we had evenings together. Late night shrimping and subway sandwiches with friends. Beach walking, dreaming, forgiving each other, and loving. That's what I remember. We weren't there long, and we found ourselves in Lexington, Kentucky, where we have been for 30 years. I, when we transitioned to this new place, Laban was going to school, and I needed a job. Somebody in our household needed work. <laughs> so when we dropped off our U-Haul truck, um, right across the street was another hospital, similar to the hospital that I had been employed by. So we just, on July, I think it was July 3rd or 4th, it was on a holiday, we dropped by, I was in shorts and a t-shirt, this is not the way to do an interview, and uh, I don't recommend it. Um, we walked in the door, we ran into the director of a program, and they took us right to Human Resources and introduced me um, to a manager who was looking to hire nurses, and they hired me on the spot. I started working within a couple of days. I had no idea what a place Cardinal Hill was going to be for us. It was where I worked for 10 years. It was where Laban worked um, from 2000. Oh, wow. I think he was there 15 years as an administrator. It's where our son grew up walking the halls. It's where our son learned to interact with people in wheelchairs. Just been a big part of our lives. I had new roles, new opportunities coming my way there. I was a neural nurse specializing in spinal cord injury. I had my first supervisory role, my first manager role. I had projects, special projects I got to do, and I was a, got to be a clinical instructor of um, nurses at UK. So all of that happened. I started working on my master's degree. I never finished it. I had a baby, and now I was a working mom, and my husband was in school. So life went on about when my little son became 14, he was dreaming of being owning a business. And so being the kind of helper that I am, I'm like, sure, why not? We can do this. So we, my son said, I want to sell something cold. And I'm like, like, ice cream? And he said, Italian ice. And so we started a business. It was, we did that for a number of years, and then we started a cleaning business in 2012. My first, sorry, after we did this, business for a while. My son moved on to his professional career path. Um, he got married. We now, we now have two granddaughters. And I am suddenly, I've gone from being a family business to being a solo operator. This is not what I thought I was going to be doing. I was trained to be a nurse. That's what I thought I was going to do. So today we're now, um, Top Mops has been around, we're on our ninth year. We have 10 cleaning technicians. I have three office people, one of which is Matt Showalter's wife, Colleen, who works remotely for us. And we are enjoying lots of growth and lots of challenges. I have been, this year, stretched. So that's, my, that's where I am. And what I want to talk to you about is, um, oftentimes when you're in school, you hear about you're going to learn how to do things. I don't want to talk about how today as much as I want to talk about who. The who's in your life, the who's that have been in my, la my life. Um, I've come to realize 
more than how, the who's are what are making me. This is, where, this is why I am where I, where I am. Who do you watch? Who do you emulate? Who do you listen to? Who do you follow? Who's producing results with you? Who's on your path? Who encourages you? Who doesn't encourage you? Who is your hero? Who are you modeling after? These are important parts of life. And I'm 56 years old. And I wish I had thought about that when I was your age. Who am I going to be following? So when you think of who's, you think of words like mentor, advisor, counselor, guide, coach, tutor. In biblical terms, for me, the who is a shepherd who helps us flourish by leading us to green pastures and still water. This shepherd restores our soul. In the New Testament, we learn that who is the Holy Spirit. Our counselor, our guide, our revealer, our comfort, our source of power, our gift giver, our sanctifier, our spirit fruit. I'd like to share some of the who's in my life. Um, in high school, my parents, they took me to church. They showed me great love and great mercy. I got a picture of Jesus through them. Youth leaders, they invested in our group. Beyond these people, when I look back, the well was a bit dry. I lacked a few who's. I lacked a spiritual mentor. I lacked an academic advisor. I told you how I decided to be a nurse because my mom wanted to be a nurse. I thought that would be a good thing. I needed someone to dream with me about how I could flourish in life, how I could be used by God. In college, I was vulnerable. I was a Christian, but I wasn't very conscious of God's presence and guidance in my day-to-day -day life. Looking back, I can see people saw me as, she's a nice person. She has a great smile. That's what I remember hearing. I was starting to gain significance by pleasing others, and I wasn't really thinking about what does it mean to please Christ. I wasn't communicating who my hope was in. I now know from different life experiences that my true significance comes from Christ. He accepts me. He makes me feel secure when I'm insecure. I am a child of his. But in my college years, I didn't really grasp this idea. I love the recognition I had for having friends and just sort of pleasing people and making people happy, helping people. It was somewhat shallow. So during my college years, a significant who was Melissa. I met her in my orientation group. Do you think it was a coincidence that Melissa was in my orientation group? No, I think God put her there for me. She invited me to join her for worship on the top of the hill. And I don't know what all you know about EMU, but at the top of a the hill, there's a chapel. And every Sunday night, there uh, maybe 100, it used to be 150 people showed up and worshiped in a circle with people playing guitars. And worship happened. It was my first experience. And I learned that um, worship through, through music for me was a, was a love language I had with God. She, Melissa introduced me to that. She um, showed me how to experience this spirit of worship in this group. She allowed me to make myself vulnerable. I for, am forever grateful for Melissa. When I was at EMU, I was in the nursing program. And I, you remember I said I was a good student, but not a great student. Um, good students make it through high school, 
they struggle in college often. And so I had a little bit of learning to do. I, um, in the 1980s at EMU, the nursing was a self-paced program. So I don't know if that means anything to you, but it basically means me gets to control how fast I go through the program, which, as you know about my, how I was doing as a student, I was never going to get through the program. <laughs> That's kind of what it meant. And I was struggling, and I didn't want to admit it, and I guess my professors never picked up on it until I took an end-of-the-semester test one time and then two times, and I just missed the cutoff for passing. So I thought, I'm done. My, my nursing career is over. This is as far as it's going to go. I had a professor. A, uh, he was a psych professor. He said, Marion, I think you're giving up too soon. I want to give you an oral test. Can you believe that? Um, so he sat down with me. He said, we're going to do it tomorrow at such and such time. I showed up. And he said, we're just going to talk through the information. We're going to talk through the, everything that you learned this semester. So I talked with him for 30, 30 minutes. And when I was all done, he said, great. You passed. You're good. You know this information. You have a little bit of test anxiety. We're going to have to figure that out before you take your boards, <laughs> kind of thing. And he was my academic who. I don't think I would have gotten my nursing degree if he had not stepped in. I'm grateful for him. As I became a nurse, um, you know, I talked about not having people to help guide me through in my new job. When I was in Lexington, I met a, a nurse. Her name is Mary Margaret, and she was an education coordinator. She became an expert in burn care. So she took care of burn patients, a big part of her career. So she got me all excited about skin care, which I know sounds kind of weird. Um, but I loved skin. And so I learned, I got to, because of her, I got to go into patients, into rooms, and see patients who had experienced burn and all that goes with that and the healing process. Um, I became sort of an expert. People were starting to ask me, this person who doesn't have a lot of confidence, questions because they saw me as an expert. My focus was becoming clearer. I noticed that other nurses came to me, and I wanted to help. I wanted to share information. I didn't know that about myself until Mary Margaret, my professional who, stepped into my life. As I grew as a nurse, I also grew as a leader, and I grew in business. And when you often think of leadership, I, this is how I am. I tend to think of title, position, roles. Um, you may sometimes think of leaders you may, in terms of age. But leadership is not about position. It's not about titles and roles and age. It's about inspiration and influence. That's why the topic of who is so important. Who's influencing you and who are you influencing? So I had to process a question. Can I be a leader? When I was young, I never thought of myself as a leader. I actually thought of leaders as type D, meaning dominant, personalities. They were direct, decisive, and dominant. They wanted to be in charge. And they were out front, giving directions. And so when I looked around and saw Ds leading, I thought, well, I'm not a leader. I was more of an S. An S is more of a steady person, kind of behind the scenes, doing what they need to do every day, helpful, not confronting, kind of going with the flow. 
I'm an S, I can't be a leader. Intentionally though, I began to refocus and get some order in my day-to-day -day activities. I wanted to choose to be a leader. Who was I gonna learn from? Well, I knew this when I got married, but I didn't realize the significance of it until I was married for a while. Laban became my significant who in leadership development. I married the man who was gonna day-to-day -day walk me through how to be a leader. Out of insecurity, I'd tell myself things like, I can't do it, I'm not a leader. My famous line was, I'm a behind-the-scenes person. And I got really good at saying it and using that as an excuse on many occasions. But when I married Laban, he didn't allow me to stay there. From the very start, he'd say, Marianne, you can do it. He wanted me to have big dreams for me. So in my first supervisory role, Laban would walk around our community at night, after hours, telling me things that I needed to know. I listened, I tried to apply, I failed. I listened again, tried again, I failed, but was improving. I just kept this process going. Laban was patient. He took these walks, crossing details, conversations about work, problems, leadership issues, people issues, visionary aspirations that were unfulfilled, system designs, problems, problems, problems. He just patiently talked with me, allowed me to process. Laban continues to be a leadership who for me, being a God-centered sounding board and a coach. Another significant who in my business has been a group of business owners that are across the country. When we started Top Mops, I thought, this can't be that hard. Starting a business? Who, you know, what's the big deal? So we started as a family, but it soon became my venture. So I felt a little more alone. The entrepreneurship started with confidence, but ended in a lot of questions for me. Am I doing the right thing? This seems harder than nursing. Laban had been a hospital VP. My son was studying accounting, and I had good communication skills. Why in the world could we not have a successful business? We got this thing. We're going to rock it. Within a fairly short period of time, we reached 350000 in sales. And that may not mean a lot to you, but for us, we were thrilled. We thought, this is pretty good. But then we got stuck. We couldn't, we couldn't grow. And I later learned from my business peers that 350000 in the cleaning industry is the valley of despair. <laughs> so I knew why I was stuck there. I didn't know it at the time. As an entrepreneur, I was drained. I was working long hours. I was struggling. I was tired. My employees weren't happy. I was in a valley. You don't have enough money to hire people to help you. You can't afford to pay people well. Uh, you don't have office help. You need help, and you need specific roles in your business. You need goals. I didn't have any of this. Things weren't scalable for me. My company felt like it was not going to last long. I needed a who to guide me out of the valley of despair. So I hired an office manager. And guess what? I handed all of my problems over to her. <laughs> guess what happened? What do you think happened? Say that louder. No, she's with me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> she's still with me. And she is a God-fearing Christian woman. And that's, there's a reason why she's still with me. <laughs> it has something to do with God. Um, 
it, it didn't work. It, there wasn't improvement. It didn't happen. I just basically handed my problems over and did my own thing. Because guess what? I'm not a leader. I'm, not a le I'm a behind the scenes person. I don't want to lead. So this group that I joined in 2018, the winter of 2000, I'm sorry, the winter of 2019, who knew COVID was going to happen? I joined this group. This is a God thing, you all. I joined this group in the fall of 2019. Remember, I don't like being in the center of attention. I had to start traveling to Dallas and meet with these business owners who were way more advanced than I was. They were wiser. They had more experience. They were more like Ds. <laughs> and I'm an S, remember? And I just thought, I, for many, many conversations with Laban, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I paying to do this? Put all this pain on myself. So I kept going. And in March 5 of 2020, I was in Dallas when the country was closing down with 300 business leaders. And I will never forget it. Everything, everybody was running out in the hallways, on the phone with their companies back home saying, shut this down, move this money, do this, do that. I mean, I just will never forget it. And I remember calling Laban and saying, I don't even know enough to know what I'm supposed to do right now. <laughs> who has pandemic experience in business? Who could I go to? I needed a who. But God said, Marianne, you have a who. This group, hang in there, stay with the group. So I did. And guess what? There are who's in that group that are God-fearing people, business owners. God was providing for me. I was so excited. So these, the things that have happened to me in 2020, I'll never forget 2020. You all won't either. Um, things that happened to me was I didn't stop spending money. I decided um, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to keep paying my employees the best I can. I'm going to keep setting goals. I'm going to hire some people to help me. I'm going to hire some people to help Sherry, my operations manager. I'm going to really join her in doing this business. I'm not going to keep hiding behind the scenes. And I am so thankful I did. We've hired a marketing company. We've hired an SEO company. We're creating meaningful employee culture. We're purchasing software that helps us be more efficient. We hired people like Colleen Showalter, who's selling it. She's selling 50% of the leads that come into our office. She's rocking it. My business is growing. We are surviving a pandemic. You think it has anything to do with God? I wasn't prepared for this. So this group, they have become my daily friends. And you notice I took out business friends. They are my friends. We are doing life together. We're giving input. We're sharing questions. We're coming up with answers. We're learning. So in closing, I want to tell you about a biblical who, Moses and his pathway. So the setting is Exodus 3. Moses is tending sheep in a field. He sees a burning bush. God says, um, I'm the God of the generations, God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. He reminds Moses that he has kept his covenant with his people. The Israelites had been enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years. He wants to use Moses to deliver his people. Doesn't that sound like fun? God's asking him to change paths from the safety, and what I mean by safety of tending sheep, that's what he knew. He now wants him to take risk in leading people. I don't know. Do you think it's harder to lead people than sheep? I don't know. 
I think I know. Moses' response is he resists. He does not want to change his pathway. So he makes excuses. You guys have never done that, I'm sure. Um, he talks about his age, comfort. He's, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining. He's thinking, I like my life. On the, I mean, it's beautiful, I bet, where, he was, where his daily work was. I bet he didn't lack confidence, right? He didn't like to speak in front of people. So how do I tell people where this authority is coming from if I go and do this? And God says, tell them that I am that I am sent you. I love that. I love this. So what's the significance of this? He gave himself, God gave himself a name that describes himself so simply, yet so complete. Self-existent, the being of beings, unchanging, fulfills promises. He assures us he's going to be with us. Unlimited resources. My human resources, so, so small. His are unlimited. Powerful. God was everything Moses needed, he was everything the Israelites needed, and he was not going to allow them to fail. So how does the rest of that story go? You guys know, in spite of this, explain, this amazing explanation of who God was, Moses kept resisting. But in the end, God did what he said he was going to do, exactly what he said. He said, Moses, he, said, he was Moses' who, and he didn't let the Israelites down. So as I reflect on my life, my relationships, my problems, my church, my career, my changing career, my business, my path, I become more and more keenly aware aware of God as the who with a capital H that does not let me down. He understands my weaknesses more than anyone. He knows my limitations, but he still uses, he chooses to use me. That is the irony of all of this for me. God didn't need Moses. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need the professors at RBC. He doesn't need bosses to run businesses. He doesn't need parents to grow up children. But he chooses to accomplish all these purposes through us, his people. So I've told you about some of the who's in my life. And these stories remind me that these who's have been the provision of God. I don't have any question. I have no doubt. The more I reflected, I found out in January, or I agreed to this in January, and I thought, oh, that'll give me plenty of time to get ready, you know, and I won't be as busy and all that. And I've never been busier. The month came, and I've never been busier. But I've had so much time in my talks with Laban about what am I supposed to share? What in the world does God want me to share? And I think one thing that I really discovered is he wants me to tell you that it is not about you. It is not what you do. It's that he chooses to use you to fulfill his promise. The focus is on just be available to him. Be aware. Acknowledge him. So does the story end when we, def- when we figure out who our who's are in life, do you think? For me, no, and I don't think it's for you either. The next question is, just like Moses allowed himself, he didn't want to be, but he allowed himself to be a who to the Israelites. I think God is asking me and you to be a who for others. I think God wants each of us to become a who in the lives of somebody. 
in whatever context you're in, home, school, church, um, the marketplace, business, in your job, do you realize the potential you have to become a who? I want you to. I've heard stories about some of you, and I think you have. God's already preparing you. You're probably already a who, and you may or may not know it. Keep doing it. Keep talking about what that means, what that looks like. I have had two opportunities to be a who for someone. And I had to think hard because I thought, I don't think I'm a who to anyone. That's, this is how my person, this is how I, how I can be. I'm working on it. Um, as a rehab nurse, I don't know if you know much about rehab nurses. We work with people who have experienced usually some kind of accident, tragedy, car accident, ATV um, accident, diving injury, toddler falling down the stairs with a brain injury, massive strokes. Those are, those are the kind of people that I worked with. What do you give those people? I didn't know what to do. When I started as a nurse, I was 22 years old. I had no idea. So I learned to listen, to be present, to be patient, and to guide and teach. I learned to ask God to use me where I was at. In my new world as a business owner, and this just happened in April, I typically, this group I was in, I typically felt pretty small. Nobody made me feel small. I felt small because they were all um, such successful business owners. One of the guys in the group has an almost $5 million business. And he's strategic and clear and nope, goal-oriented. He knows exactly what he wants. And I'm like, none of those things. <laughs> so I would go to these events. And so I think I've been to five, since I joined this group, I've been to five events in Dallas. I'm really getting familiar with the Dallas airport. Um, so in Dallas in April, I went to the same event that I was at last year pre-COVID. And it was fun to go kind of post-COVID a little bit. But when I got there in, the, in this larger group, I started to feel small. And I was forgetting about who I was in Christ. And I called Laban on the phone, and I'm like, oh, everybody's doing something, and I feel disconnected. I had just kind of in general, I have some different values than people in the group. And I always just felt a little vulnerable when I go, when I first get there. So I called Laban, and I was sort of feeling sorry for myself. And he said, you know, you know who you are. You know what you're about. You know what your purpose is there. Just keep on plugging away. And he prayed for me over the phone. He asked God to help show me what it is I was supposed to do. It might only be one thing. What is it? And just like he did for Moses, he did it for me in that moment in the bathroom. <laughs> A lady walked up to me, and she said, I'm so overwhelmed. This, this is so much coming at me. I don't know what to do. I went into my nurse mode. It was just natural. I didn't think about it. I just went. I just, it just turned on. And I just started sharing. I was in the bathroom with her for 20 minutes. We just stood there and talked. What a crazy place, right, to be in the bathroom. And I think the best conversations happen in women's bathrooms. <laughs> and, sorry, guys. I, you know, yeah. And I did not know she was a Christ follower. And she had asked God to help her that morning figure out how to fit in this group. She's from Oklahoma. I'm from Lexington. We were in Dallas. Do you think God orchestrated this? He did. He allowed me to meet and encourage a newer business owner who was ready to quit. This was her last chance. She signed up for the program. 
She's now in a group with me. She is a follower of Jesus, and she asked God to show her, and he did. Just like Moses, he um, helped her, and just like Moses, he helped me. He helped us figure out who the who's were in our life and used us. I love that God chooses to use me, and I want to be continue to be ready, and my prayer is that you will recognize your who's and that you will be ready to be a who to wherever he places you. May I pray for you. God, we come before you right now, humble, probably with lots of questions about what's next. Lord, meet each of these students right here. Um, Show them where you're leading them. Show them who is going to walk with them. Make it obvious, Lord, whether it's today or tomorrow in the years to come. Bless what they're doing. Um, Give them a vision for you. And let that be their main purpose and focus in life. We just ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. And check out our other podcast series from our website at rosedale.edu slash podcasts. God bless you and have a good day.